We want to talk this morning about feed on the bread of life. Feed on the bread of life. So I have a couple of questions I want to ask you. And uh, this is uh, kind of heading up into our Christmas season. And I want to just, I felt this just coming into my heart and these thoughts as I was looking at this season. How many of you have felt that when you first got here, you needed some help just to get into the glory zone? Well, this is, this, let me go ahead and say, it's not unlike in Christmas time, during, during Easter time, there's this, the, the Pharisees uh, came after, a religious spirit came after Jesus in that season, okay? Well, we have another thing, that, another certain dynamic that happens in the Christmas season. That's when Herod sent those soldiers down to kill off those babies, remember? And so sometimes... When you come up to this season, there's a spiritual assault to kill off the very tender life of Jesus in your life. Does that make sense to you? It's a cyclic kind of a thing that can happen. I don't say it's every time. So sometimes when it comes to Christmas celebrations, we need to confront something. We need to move into high praises and let the Spirit and the life of the Holy, uh, of Holy God just permeate the atmosphere of our homes. And if you don't do it, Something else will creep in. Are you there? So sometimes uh, during this kind of thought process, it says, are you selling yourself short of God's best for your life? Is that easy to do? Is that easy to do? What might you look to other than Jesus Christ and His Word for direction in your life? Now, this is, these questions are designed to say, hey, let's go ahead and think about looking to the Lord for everything. Just to say that, I need to look to the Lord for everything. Everything. Now here's another one. Do you, what do you consume mentally, emotionally, spiritually to grow in your life with the Lord? Because the uh, extra activities potentially, and of course all the things that have gone crazy and cuckoo in the world, uh, it can, you can diminish what your, your nurture of your own spiritual life and needs. And here's the last thing. Do you use the Lord for what you want? Or do you submit to the Lord for what He wants? Do you use the Lord? There's a whole thing there about uh, seeking His hand instead of His face. You know, and always looking for what He would provide you, me, 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 instead of, I just want to be with you, Lord. I want to be yours. Because here's the deal. When we are, and I, this is where I came from, and maybe this will apply to you, when, you're, when we're brokenhearted. Hello? Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. Living in a deficiency in your emotions. Struggling with the meaning of meeting needs in your soul. We tend to go for what we feel like would be best for us without turning to the Lord. And asking Him what would be best for us. So when we choose our own way, knowingly or unknowingly, we end up, look, that guy's look, we end up down a road in a place of more pain than when we started. I'm just... Give you the warning. On our, our way, on our terms, without His leading and blessing, always results, always results in a painful detour. Uh, there's a, this old saying is very true. It says, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. Well, what is sin? And I found one really strong definition I've used for years is this. A sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. 
But Jesus is the masterful redeemer and he knows the frailties, aren't you glad, of the human soul. He understands. Just tell somebody next to you, knowing, knowing your weakness is 50% there for victory. You're 50% into victory just knowing your weakness. Just tell somebody. You're just knowing. How many of you have been blind to your own stuff and just wandering around? all the, But when you know what's going on, how many would you acknowledge there's areas of your life that still need to grow? Just a few of you? Micah 5 2. We are, because of our Bethlehem candle, this is, uh, we're going to focus on a little bit of what was kind of said there. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, which means of Judah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. When the wise men showed up and said, hey, how do you, where, where are we going here? And they said, this is the verse. And they knew when they got in the area, when they asked and the scholars came out and said, it's Bethlehem and they headed down the road. One of the first mentions of Bethlehem is Rachel uh, dies. What really puts Bethlehem on the map is David being born and his family being there. But then it really blossoms when Boaz lives there and Ruth, Ruth's husband dies, you know, the, the Jewish man dies, and she clings to Naomi, and they go back to Bethlehem, and Boaz becomes a kinsman redeemer. All happens in Bethlehem. But Bethlehem is basically prophesied that this is going to be the place where God touches down. And we see the first, so the, the first Advent candle, of course, is the prophecy candle, and this is the promise. The promise is spoken. And then the second candle is the Bethlehem candle, which is the place. So he's, and Advent means coming. We're, we're promised that he's going to come. And then the place, he showed up. He came to the place. And the angel candle is the proclamation. We proclaim that he came. And then the shepherds are, we're the people that witnessed it. And so we're always there, step by step by step. But the reason that I'm bringing these statements up about our need and all is because I want us to focus a little bit on Bethlehem, the house of bread. Because later Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life. And the very, so he's the very substance that the soul of man needs. And uh, of all places to be born right there in Bethlehem, the house of bread. So this Christmas season, we're going to journey in your personal life. We're going to go to the house of bread. I want you nurturing Feeding, the name of this message is Feed on the Bread of Life. Let's say it. Feed on the Bread of Life. And Jesus, see, He talked about spiritual food. When He was ministering to the woman of the well, we have a verse here, John 4, 31 starts. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples, when they got back from that experience, uh, Jesus was there with the woman. He says, Rabbi, eat. And it says, uh, But I have food to eat you do not know about. So the disciples said, well, has anybody brought him something to eat? Who, who brought you food? <laughs> Jesus said to them, my food, say this with me, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, the next slide says this. There's, this is a fascinating word play here in the Aramaic. The word, the word Jesus uses isn't a common word for food. It's actually a word for nutrients. It's also a homonym that is commonly translated kingdom. Isn't that amazing? So we have here a spiritual 
a beautiful spiritual picture. I have nutrients from serving my Father. How many of you have had your... You have a low energy level and suddenly you're, you're doing things in the Lord and next thing you know, your energy level's up. Is that right? So we have physical food, spiritual food. How many of you use the word food for thought? Right? So there's that concept. Metaphorically, we're eating something. For instance, the physical act of eating can be symbolic of devouring information. How about, you know, you're, you're really interested in something. Man, he's eating that up. Right? So... So this comes into play when Jesus is, uh, challenges the multitude who are following him. And, and the, basically what happens is Jesus has all these people and he feeds them the loaves and the fishes, right? And then he disappears and then they chase him down. They, when, they find a, when they find him, they want more food. They want another miracle. They want more physical food. He's going to turn this whole thing metaphorically into spiritual food. He responds not to the physical need this time, but to their spiritual need. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Say that with me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So you've got to come to Jesus. Now Jesus, see, He's coming to the Father in the ministry. He says, i got food to eat of you don't even know about. I'm serving the Father and I'm being nourished walking with Him. And He's offering that to us. He says, I'm the bread of life. When you walk with me, I'm going to nourish something deep in you that you can't get from any other place. I'm the only place that you can get this. And it's spiritual and whoever receives it has eternal life. The next verse says, uh, John 6, 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. He uses this thing about one minute and he starts to mess with their minds a little bit. And then he throws this out at them. In John six fifty three and 54, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, that you have no life in you, Whoever, and these guys are getting hung up now in the physical. They're getting hung up in the physical. They're not thinking spiritual. He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks, my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up in the last day. But Jesus clarifies it. Look, John 6, 63, the next one. Look at this. It is the spirit. Everybody say spirit. He's not talking about the flesh. He's, not, he's talking about your spirit. I remember the day very profoundly that my spirit came alive in Christ Jesus. So when your spirit is not alive and you don't know, it would be easy to get confused that we're talking about physical bread. But the moment your spirit is made alive in Jesus Christ, you know, wow, this is spiritual food. How many have been reading the Bible and suddenly something just comes up out of there and you just know God's speaking to you and your spirit is being nurtured by the bread. He's breaking bread for you right there. It's amazing. Isn't he wonderful? He's so wonderful. He, this whole thing, I'm trying to just take out a few pieces because we're going to get to our communion time shortly here and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to really help us with a, with a, a part of this. But... He says, the flesh is no help at all. He's not talking about that. He says, the flesh is no help at all. What's he talking about? He says, the words that I have spoken to you 
our spirit in life. It's the spirit that gives life. You know, so I'm not talking about your regular bread. I'm talking about spiritual bread that comes via relationship with me. That's not about your flesh. It's about your spirit growing and me, you eating. And like that food that I had that nobody knew about that was the nutrition from the kingdom of God. So I had this, and he says, what is it? He says, it's the words. Everybody say, it's the words. When the Lord speaks a word to you, it's food to you. Isn't that right? When the Lord speaks a word to you, it gives you life. It helps you. It grows you. Now, let's go to the next one. It is not eating the literal, this is just clarifying, it's not eating the literal flesh or drinking his literal blood that gives life, but the words that he spoke. They are life. Everybody say, the words are life. The words are life. See, so he says that the literal, flesh, the literal flesh is of no profit. So we have here now Jesus, uh, John 6, 57, uh, the next slide there, 58. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever, say these words, feeds on me. Feeds on me also. He also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. They were talking about the, you know, the Moses and the field. He says, look, the, look, the manna that came down, they, they ate it, they died. This is a food you eat, you never die. He's clarifying this. But it, it just really blows everybody's mind in this group. So, so whoever feeds on this bread will live forever in the multitude. They just couldn't handle it. it was just a, this was a radical call to discipleship where Jesus actually using metaphor, a little bit of hyperbole. Hyperbole is like an exaggerated statement of something. And he's saying this stuff and, and he's just dry. Because they came for another miracle meal. And he said, no, it's not this realm. It's this realm in here. It's not the flesh. It's the heart. It's the spirit. I want you to get... All of it in this way over here. Well, I felt like jumping up and down there. I want you to feed on the bread of life. And listen, I want, uh, I know this. I had a friend who was a drummer in a rock band back in LA. Well, it was a Christian band. He played with Chuck Gerard and some other bands. And, um, uh, years back and he had a side job because they didn't play play that as much as he needed and his job was he was a baker i think he worked at a donut shop and you know to have fresh donuts every morning you got to get up like really early in the morning like maybe like two o'clock head down there Start baking those. How many of you had an old donut and you try to put sprinkles on it and make it? Maybe that'll help it out. Doesn't help it, does it? But a fresh baked donut. There's something about meeting the Lord when nobody's around and having the fresh baked bread of life with that butter on it. That anointing, you bite into it, it just goes down. Everybody say, hallelujah. How many of you have moments like that with the Lord where it's just so, wow. This presence of God is so incredible and I'm changed by this and I'm so nurtured by this. I'm going to bet that some of you are going to wake up looking for that fresh time with Jesus. Because to go through this season, you're going to need the bread of life. 
You're going to need to nurture. Don't let the first thing be news. Let the first thing be Jesus. When you get up, have your mind set on sitting with Him. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's talk about it. Sitting with Him. Cultivating a heart that looks to Him first. Because look, it don't take long. Look, sin will keep you from you've heard this. Sin will keep you from the Bible. But the Bible will keep you from sin. The life of Jesus will woo your heart into places. Let's just praise him for a minute, because that's what this season's all about. Jesus came and he's the little one. He's the little he's, he wants this new life during this season to permeate your life. And during this radical call, this radical crazy time with the the multitudes were all freaked out because of this Jesus making these radical statements in their fleshly minds. They're thinking cannibalism or something, and he's not meaning that at all. He's literally driving the idea of, I'm it. And when you feed on me, you're going to live forever. But John 6, 66-69 says this, and many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They were so hung up with the physical needs, they didn't get to the spiritual needs. And Jesus said to the twelve, he looks to those guys and he says, hey, do you want to walk away as well? Do you want to go away as well? Now I want you to notice, because we're going to talk about Peter for a little bit, I want you to notice something. Peter actually answers him and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter sticks. He sticks. I want you to look at this next slide just for a second. Biblical discipleship is about drilling deep until you hit the bedrock. Would you read that with me? Biblical discipleship is about drilling deep until you hit the bedrock. Let's say it once again. Biblical discipleship is about drilling deep until you hit the bedrock. Now I want you to know something. Everybody listen. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. This is a very, very interesting. The Lord quickened me and kind of pulled me into this uh, so if you're doing anything, set it all aside. Look up here. This is the most important part. Are you ready? I wish you could say, mask off. You know, everybody focus here. This is it. Now notice when Jesus was in the very act of dying on the cross, Peter was in the very act of denying that he knew who Jesus was. Did you hear that? In the very act of Jesus on the cross, Jesus is in a place of denial. Now here's a guy who just declared, you have the words of eternal life. How many of you know you got to go deeper? Tap somebody around. Just move around. But say, hey, deeper. 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 Now I'm going to look at four different verses. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. We're going to visit Peter's moments here. Okay? Read this with me aloud together. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard... And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you 
mean? Here's a guy that says, Jesus, you have the ways of eternal life, but something's going on because he hasn't hit down to the very bedrock. There's issues in his life. The next slide. Let's read this. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. An oath? I wonder what the oath was. I swear on my dead body. I don't know what oath he made. But there's a point of denial. And sin does this. Fear does this. Things can do this. Set your, you can open a door and go down a wrong road and end up in a state of denial. And then you'll actually commit an oath to say, but there's something about sin's blindness that, that does something to you that causes you to, 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 to declare. Watch this next one. Let's read this one. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them for your accent betrays you. Look at this. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. Now this is the guy that said, who are we going to go to? You have the words of eternal life. And then it says, the last slide here for this, immediately the rooster crowed and Peter was remembered the sayings of Jesus before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever had a place where something has happened in your life where you just are conflicted in your walk and you've, you've given to something I realized something. I could say this in different ways, but here's unique. These are the, and I'm saying this over this Christmas season so you can have an awareness and you can part with the Lord and you can get, you can get better and we can move through this. So the unique temptations, this next slide, the unique temptations of Christian are revealed in five ways. Would you declare those out? What do you want? Fear, ego, pride, greed, and moral compromise. Say it again. Fear, ego, pride, Greed and moral compromise. Those are the five. If you take all of the sins of the flesh, I think they'll all kind of like, this would be an umbrella where you can look at over every single thing. How many of you dealt with fear? How many of your ego has like been the deal? Come on. How many of you struggle with your own pride? How many, you may not say you're greedy, but how many of you realize greed gets in your way? How many of you had the moral compromise in your life? It's an umbrella with all these things. Well, let me show you the in Luke twenty-two thirty-one through thirty-two. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is Luke's take on what was happening to Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. I want to take us to the next portion of our end of our service here and just have our uh, communion elements get in our hands. Could we do that? Because I want to take us to a place. I feel like in somebody's life, the door is going to open and you're going to walk out into freedom. Like a little door is just going to open up and your heart's going to spring into a point of freedom. The Lord's going to say, because you're going to, you're going to taste of the bread of life, and the Lord says, I'm going to drop wholeness into you, and I'm going to shift something in your life. Isn't that good? I'm going to help you. 
How many of you have found uh, fear has been a it's been a it's been a booger, hasn't it? Or pride? You know, people who say I don't have pride as a problem. That's a pride problem right there. <laughs> So I want to invite us to, uh, as we're going to get the elements in hand, I want us to, uh, as we end our service here, first of all, how, how, how are we doing so far? How are we doing so far? Anybody made the desire, has kind of marked down in your heart, I'm going to have some more feeding times, communion times. I'm going to eat the bread of life. Let's go ahead and pass out the bread. And as we all have that in hand, let's take time and hold it together. So when we get there, hallelujah. I want to invite you to eat the bread of life. And I want us to feed upon Jesus and drink upon what he offers us. And because uh, he, here's the deal. Anytime you've gone down a path that hasn't been good for you, the potential is a level of brokenness that you didn't even have before. Most time people that people that are broken I know this because I did it. Broken people make bad decisions. Bad decisions. And it, so you, you think, I got a need. I got a legitimate need. And you make a bad decision. And you fill it in an illegitimate way. And now there's a trap and it's an increasing trap. And you might do it out of fear. You might do it out of uh, a sense of, I can just handle this on my own. I remember that message a long time ago, the four A's of success. And you go, okay, what are the four A's of success? And these are the four A's of success. And they don't matter if you're a Christian or not. Here they are. Ready? Arrogance. Because people who have a lot of success get arrogant. Unless there's something that's got down to the bedrock of who they are, who, who they realize what they are without God in their life. The second thing, aloofness. The rules don't apply to me. Third thing, addictions. That just opens the door. Fourth thing, adultery. The rules don't apply to me. I can open up any door I want. And you end up down a path. And that's why when it says those five things, we want to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit right now. I feel, you know, just pulled on in my heart. Now, let me go ahead and say this before we take the bread in hand here. Would you lift it up? I'm going to say this. Peter's denial of Jesus opened the door of bondage in his life. I don't know what it was, the motive, but it was he was being sifted. And Jesus had prayed for him. But he not only denied the Lord, he, he denied him with an oath. I, this is what I really sense. I really sense that there may be somebody here that has opened the door to something that you're meeting a need that in your life that's not the way the Lord wants to do it and you've literally settled an oath about it. This is what I'm going to do. And the Lord's reaching to you to bring you out of that. Because the next step will be you'll be cursing yourself and wish you hadn't been there. Is this making sense? This is the, this is the sense that came on me when I was looking at this passage here. I want to say it this way. The Lord quickened me. We were th here Thursday night. I was right down here. We are praying in the Spirit. And the Lord started speaking to me. And He started saying, Do you know, I want you to worship me in the beauty of my holiness. And I was looking. And then He started speaking to me about absolute perfection. He said, Did you know that I'm absolute perfection? 
that I, your Lord, am absolute perfection in every way possible. I'm absolute perfection. Just say that Jesus is absolute perfection. Now this is what he showed me. He said, do you know that when I look at you, I look at you with eyes that behold what I intended of absolute perfection in your life. We have substandard thinking. We think we can handle it on our own. The Lord says, no, your thinking is far below my thinking. My thinking is I have absolute perfection for your life. But your thinking is so low and you've been feeding on wrong things. And you're thinking I can meet it my way instead of the Lord's way. I feel like we're cracking something here. Let's praise Him. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord right now. Because the Lord is, listen, this is, this, is a, this is a season of liberation. When Jesus comes, liberation happens. Liberty happens. And He was saying, you know, people have seen my perfection. David under the night sky with his heart singing praises to God. He sees something. Isaiah sees something. He says he's high and lifted up and I see and I'm unclean. He says I'll solve that. I've got absolute perfection for you and I'm going to cleanse you of your uncleanness. Mary. Martha and Mary. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and I believe her eyes were opened and she saw the absolute perfection. And she heard those words and responded and said, you're the bread of life for me. How many of you acknowledge his thoughts about you are so much higher than your thoughts about you? Would you like to begin to look at yourself the way that he looks at you? It'll change everything. It'll be radical. It'll shift. There are things that you're doing now that you'll quit doing. There are things that you're doing now that you say, I can't do that anymore. And the Lord said, I know I love you. And I'm going to help you stop. Let's praise Him right now for that. Man, I just felt that the Lord's anointing is on this cloudy thing. See, Peter, Peter, the stuff was surfacing in his life. And he ended up in a state of denial about knowing Jesus in the area that really mattered. What's the area in your life that really matters? Do you know Jesus there? Because if you don't, you'll get worse. And you'll declare an oath and you'll stick into your sin and you'll stay bound and it'll get worse. And then you'll be cursing your life. Jesus met Peter on the shore and he just said this do you love me Peter and he started breaking those curses do you love me you know I love you do you love me you know I love do you love me he broke every every time he denied him he broke the power of that curse over his life is the Lord in the room is your heart engaged do you sense that he's doing something for you right now see the Lord's taking your hand and he's saying you're not living the fullness of what I have for you but you're going to because it's oh man I just want to say it it's a Christmas present letting go of some of the ratty old stuff 
that you've let yourself into. Jesus is saying, I'm taking you out. And he says, isn't this amazing? The Lord says, I want you to, I want you to go to Bethlehem, the house of bread. I want Bethlehem to be a daily thing in your life. And you show up for the fresh bread and be nurtured and nourished. Let's hold it up right now. I don't know what that thing is where Jesus is pointing out to you. Don't deny me here. I don't know what it is, but I want you to bring it before the Lord right now. The Bible says to lift up the weary hands that hang down. Help the feeble. What door have you opened that's allowed something to enter your life that the Lord says, come here, honey. When I look at you, I look at you through absolute perfection and I have a higher calling for you than your own right now. Let's praise the Lord again because we're going to partake. We're going to partake. I want to set this up in a way where you would say when this food, when this, when this physical bread, when this physical cracker goes in your mouth, spiritual power will invade your soul and liberty will begin to crack in upon where you have walked in a point of denial. Are you with me? Will you let that faith rise? Let's praise Him. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust You to do inside of me because Your wholeness heals my brokenness and I made decisions out of my brokenness and they're not going to be good for me and they're going to eat me up and I don't want to be eaten up. He's going to unravel so much for you. Liberty is a good thing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Let's partake together in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I want everyone here, everyone here, to see yourself through the eyes of Jesus. I don't think any of us can even imagine how wonderful we are to Him. When He originally conceived you in the womb and fashioned you, there was something of a beauty, something of a, a design, a holy calling, something of a, of a, His, His, uh, He adores you. The Lord adores you. Just let that sink in. The Lord adores you. He knows all your mistakes. That's why He poured out His blood. Can you imagine? Let me just say, you know what sin does? Sin says, this is what sin says. I want you to change so I'll be better. In relationships, you change, I'll be better. Sin says, your life for mine. I'll be better if you get straightened out. That's sin. You know what love says? Love is substitutionary sacrifice. You know what love says? I'm going to give you my life for yours. I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to lay my life down so that all the needs that you have are going to be met through me. I'm going to pour my blood out so that everything that has been sent 
to harm you will be erased from you. Everything. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Everything. 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 Lift the cup, would you? Say, say this with me. Father God, thank you for redemption in Jesus. I've been bought with a price. Let's say it. I'm not my own. I belong to you. I'm paid for in full. You have my best at heart. You absolutely love me to pieces. You love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. And I love you too. Help me now. With the power of your blood, this liquid love, walk away from things that have put me in denial and walk in, in my walk with you. Oh man, I just, there's anointing here, man. There's anointing. Let's drink it down. Drink it down. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Here's what I have to say to just to end this is this just like for Peter, when you and I have gone through something that's sifting our souls, Jesus says, I prayed for you. Satan came to sift you, but I prayed for you. And you're going to turn and you're going to come through it. Come on, Jesus says, when you turn, you'll be able to strengthen your brothers when you come through this. That's the promise. I prayed for you, so you'll get through, you'll turn, and you will be anointed to help others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.